Hi everybody, you're listening to The Woke Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk. We strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. Today's episode is sponsored by you, our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for our patrons who make this podcast possible by supporting some of the costs. If you'd like to help us make more Rope Podcast episodes, please go to ropepodcast.com and visit our Patreon. Leafbound and Icarus are queer and trans rope educators and performance artists currently residing in Los Angeles, California. Leafbound is a rope switch who found their love of rope nine years ago and believes that rope can be the most honest way that we can connect with each other. Icarus is a switchy pain enthusiast who started their rope bottoming exploration nine years ago and is most passionate about exploring intersectionality and positionality in consent. Their teaching styles bring the best of both worlds, combining crucial perspectives of the top and the bottom. They value consent and safety in every topic they teach, bringing an inclusive and trauma-informed approach to learning rope bondage. Leaf and Icarus are most passionate about using multimedia process art to share their vision with the world and push the boundaries of what defines rope. Leaf Icky, welcome on the Rope Podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. Leaf here, Icky here. Uh, guys, to get us started today, please tell us how you started with rope bondage in the first place. Iki, can you go first? Um, so my start into rope bondage was not super traditional. Um, I was attending a play party, but it wasn't a formal play party. Just a few folks um, after a band practice uh, started to play, and I watched two people do rope. Uh, but it was not the rope that drew me in. It was watching them negotiate. Mm, and that, yeah, that's where I fell in love with BDSM and kink, was watching two people negotiate. Um, they were on a couch across from me. And I'd not really seen that. And I've uh, worked my entire life in the uh, sexual violence movement, working with survivors. And it was so interesting to see the way that consent and care practices were so wrapped up there. And as I started to explore kink, finding things I liked, I didn't like, rope bondage is one that. I fell uh, completely in love with because I have a background of doing classical ballet. And it really, like once I quit doing that professionally, uh, there really wasn't anything that compared to that until I found rope. Um, kind of this idea of suffering in the hands of another and there's some sort of kind of like artistic viewing process and collaboration. Um, I was able to kind of find that in rope bondage. Oh, that's beautiful. What about you, Leaf? Well, I've kind of always been fascinated with bondage ever since, like, before you could se sexualize it. Like, I really loved, like, superhero and villain movies. I was really <laughs> drawn to bondage. Uh, was definitely getting tied up in jump rope as a kid. And so the natural progression is once you're an adult, you sexualize it. <laughs> yeah. And I've always, always wanted to get into rope bondage. And a young version of myself thought I could never 
get into rope bondage because I wasn't tall or white mm. or skinny. And um, yeah, and when I became an adult, I immediately found the kink community because I I knew I knew it was a big part of myself and uh, found the first person that would put rope on my body. And I did that at 18. I was just like, I am so ready. So rope has kind of always been inherent, like in my soul. And how did the two of you uh, evolve your rope practice together? Well, it's funny. We actually met at a, at a rope event. <laughs> yeah. Local one here in Los Angeles. And, um, it was kind of love at first sight in, <laughs> in a lot of ways for our rope because, uh, the first time we tied, I had never tied with someone that gave into rope the way Icky gives into rope and the way Icky Bottoms really spoke to me as a top. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I saw Leaf before Leaf saw me. <laughs> before we met at this rope event, I'd actually watched them perform at a bar, um, and they were so small and so mean. And I was immediately <laughs> this tiny, sadistic little powerhouse. Um, and then I, I introduced myself when I saw them at a rope event next. Um, and one of the ways that our rope really evolved together is when we met and we obviously tied and talked rope from the get-go. But one of the things we both realized is that we both really wanted to teach. That was something we were both really passionate about was teaching um, and not just like doing rope, but teaching rope and becoming educators. And so that was both something at the time that we they had started to teach and I was trying to find a way to teach as um, somebody who'd previously only bottomed. Uh, and I was kind of looking for my match to teach with and I, I found it in them. Hmm. Why so was how, how was that transition for you from going to bottoming to teaching? And how is it a different way to relate to rope for you? Mm, I love it. I love teaching. Um, I love teaching outside of rope. I'm like a group facilitator and I do kind of teaching in my, my personal life, which I think is always an important distinction. Teaching is kind of like the next step in tying. It's a different skill set mm. that some folks I also want to pursue. Mm -hmm. Um I don't think it's like you have to teach, but I, I love teaching because I love creating uh, trauma-informed classrooms and creating space where bottoms are really centered to speak and share experiences and become really educated about safety. Uh, the first kind of rope that I was in was at, down in the deep south in the U.S., and I had no formal education in bottoming or really in tying. Um, so I was in a, a bit of like a, like not great rope <laughs> in the beginning. It was a lot of dangerous rope, a lot of like, um, I have some injuries from kind of that time. So I was really passionate about like, okay, I want to find somebody to teach with who's really passionate about not only safety, but just like the exploratory nature of rope, um, and the give and take of a rope relationship. So we teach a lot about vulnerability and, all of those things. And I love coming into classrooms and getting bottoms really excited about learning and about taking responsibility for their education and for their safety. Um, and I'm, that's like one of the things that leap also is a fantastic bottom as well. Um, so that's something where I didn't really feel like I was teaching as a bottom. I just kind of felt like I was teaching mm -hmm. and leaps helps me with the technical stuff. And I sometimes have a bit more to say about bottoming because I do it a little bit more frequently, but we are two switches that are um, kind of crazy, uh, a little bit of chaos, but it really plays well to our teaching style. 
And so if you don't mind sharing about that in your personal play between the two of you, you switch as well, or do you more switch with other people? Oh yeah, we definitely switch in our personal play. It's funny because I, I, before picking up rope, um, I was a bottom. I got into rope as a bottom, thought I was completely a bottom. And the first time I touched rope as a top, I was like, oh my God, I'm not just a bottom. But previous to rope, to tying, I had never really topped anything. And then once I found rope, I had really found my power. Uh, cause I'm literally five feet tall. I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a tiny person. And so having this skill to lift someone that's twice or more my size and make a very tall person really small. What met Icky, Icky was a, uh, was a top that bottomed for rope and I was a bottom that topped for rope. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, and so outside of rope, like I'm very much a bottom, and Icky's my top. Um, like they're my daddy. Um, and but like I'm the daddy in rope. It's very chaos, like we said. Yeah, we switch a lot, and, and there's no rules. It's just <laughs> it's a feeling. Uh, and so uh, I like I call myself like a top leaning switch. So and I'm, I'm a bottom leaning switch. Yeah. yeah so I, I top them for. CNC stuff, uh, general like leather dynamic things. Sharps play. Sharps play. I'm a big like blood and needles, um, mm -hmm. top. Um, but for rope, we've, I tie them as well occasionally. Yes, <laughs> yes they actually learn. I'm learning. To, yeah, they learn to tie during the pandemic. Yeah. Wow. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. We want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time. And to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee makes a big difference to us. And you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. Do you have a power exchange relationship uh, that's ongoing or is it more scene based, which as you feel like it? Mm, I'd say it's ongoing. It is ongoing. Yeah. It, it, but because we're both switches in different forms of play, it does, it isn't as rigid as I would say we've traditionally seen it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. They're, they're collared 24 seven. Yeah. I have a little collar that I wear all the time. Mm -hmm. They have a rope collar specifically for when we do rope scenes, which has been really helpful. Um, uh -huh. so we have a whole ritual that we start whenever we're going to scene, like in our personal life, we have a whole collaring where I put their collar and we start kneeling before we even put rope on a body. And when the scene is over and after care is done, we say goodbye to the collar. Like it's a whole thing that we built. Yeah. And then I also have, because we just apparently love jewelry. I have like <laughs> um, a small collar and a small ring that are kind of like rope related that I wear all the time. Um, and then I also wear a vial of their blood that I took. Um, <laughs> they took my blood guys. They just took it. <laughs> so lovely. You should see Foxy's face right now. He's yeah. Like I'm, I'm quite glowing. into blood play yeah. as well. So that, that yeah, speaks to me very much. So would it be correct to say that you have a power exchange, but with Iki being more dominant in the day-to-day -day power exchange, while in your classes and so on, you present 
more as leaf being the top which might go against some people's expectations which is as a case that's great because we are always looking for examples of because you top in rope doesn't mean you're the dominant because you bottom doesn't mean you're the submissive so How's that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree 100%. Yeah, if, if, I think um, if you only knew me on the internet and you, as soon as you meet me in person, you would catch, oh, that one, that one's a bottom. But like, <laughs> if you, if you only saw like my work on the internet and the energy I put on the internet, like I'm definitely putting on a little bit of like a, um, not a facade because that, because leaf is definitely like leaf bound is me and like that is a part of me, but it's definitely not, uh, the person that, I am all the time. It's also very hard because we, um, obviously not just in part due to the, in part due to the pandemic, but just because of the way the world is, we have to advertise and teach a lot on online platforms, Mm -hmm. which are heavily censored. Um, so all of the things I top for are things that you get deleted for um, very quickly. So (laughs) there's not really a ton of places in which I, I like demonstrate that that side of me that's true yeah most people are shocked <laughs> when they find out that Icky's like a sadistic top mm-hmm. um okay amazing so in terms of um the rope education which sounds really dear to both of your hearts um i was interested in this notion of trauma-informed classrooms how do you plan a class to make sure that that happens yeah so so uh there are I take a lot of inspiration from um, my previous uh, positions in which I would run support groups for survivors of violence or for families who are struggling with uh, different interpersonal issues, um, as well as doing uh, workshops for nonprofits or other businesses who are struggling with like equity and power issues. Um, but some of the main things about like having a class that is more on the side of trauma informed, I don't say safe because I don't really think there's any kind of space mm. that you can create that's safe. Um, but there is, we do an acknowledgement kind of at the beginning of all of our classes about um, kind of the history of, of rope bondage where appropriation has occurred, us being rope practitioners in the United States. There's another lineage of rope. Uh, as a tool of like torture and murder of, of black and indigenous populations. We kind of acknowledge a lot of stuff on the front end to talk about, yes, this is bondage and it's fun and it's sexy, but it does have historical and political contexts that regardless of how you feel about them are present and need to be navigated. And then a lot of it's just in managing expectations and, and offering space for the class. So like one of my classroom rules is like, you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So you can leave, you can look at your phone, you can disengage, you can come to me afterwards, but it's, it's kind of your responsibility to take ownership for how you're feeling in the class and to you know take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I just think in the way that we interact with each other, um, when we teach, we demonstrate uh, we almost like overly demonstrate consent. Mm-hmm. Yes. You'll, see, you'll see a lot of folks teach and they'll be really into their power dynamic. Of, you know, this is my object and they have nothing to say about this and I'm going to do whatever I want. Or like, we have been together for 10 years and this person has blanket consent to do whatever they want to me. Don't practice that, but we do. (laughs) (laughs) We, we try to demonstrate what we think is like ideal for folks who are entering the scene and ideal for folks who may be carrying Mm -hmm. different forms of trauma with them to show them that there are really soft ways to engage in dynamic. 
there are very like respectful and consent focused ways to like engage in dynamic um, and just making room for also like different identities. One of the reasons that we both wanted to teach is because when we were coming up in the scene, there weren't a lot of trans educators. There was like two, maybe two. Yeah. That we had never taken from. uh, (laughs) Yeah. 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 Harrington. Oh my God. Forgetting the first name. Lee Harrington, very famous rope educator. It's trans. And then, uh, then, um, Prometheus, who we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Um, well, like, beside from those two trans educators at the time when, especially when I was learning rope, like, I was... Yeah, that was, like, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing rope for almost, uh, yeah, we're coming up on, jeez, are we really coming up on ten years? Coming up on ten years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. But, uh, thank you, yeah. So I started when I was 18. We, and We both did, yeah. Yep, and now I'm going to turn 28 uh, this year. So, wow, yeah, ten years. <laughs> but, um... I digress. I, uh, I, I was in rooms of men, primarily white men, uh, and I was not taken seriously or, or even looked at. And worst, I was even like singled out when my skill level wasn't as good. Um, so like it was just like really hard. To, uh, I had to fight a lot of fights to try and get the education that I did get because no one really gave a shit about the tiny girl in the back of the room trying to keep up. So teaching is one of the areas that's really important to you in Rope, but you are uh, people with a wide range of interests. So what else is important to you in your work? What other kinds of work do you do? Well, I think that at its, at its purest form, we're really into like classic dynamic um, rope, especially like, so like I said that I bought him for rope sometimes and Icky does top, like we actually do quite a bit of sexual rope. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we really, we really enjoy sexual rope where there is like a, a tying aspect for like a C&C like type of scene that's like near and dear to my heart and always will be. And that's like the root of rope came from like sexualized rope, which I know at this point rope has become a much broader definition, but like I love some good, good old sexual rope. <laughs> yeah. We do too. It goes back to the way that like rope is censored in online platforms, which is how we mostly share it. But we call it the, um, I have heard a lot of people reference it as like the hobbification of rope mm-hmm. or like the yogification of rope, yeah. which like I'm, I definitely think that like rope could be all kinds of things. It can be spiritual. It can be friendly. A leaf always has this fun quote where rope's like a glass of wine. It's as intimate as you want it to be. Um, but for us, the core of our rope is, Highly sexual, um, very, C&C. very sadistic. Sadistic. Um, and, but the other kind of rope that I think that we really enjoy is we try to create. So Icky with their background in ballet and the way that they bottom in rope cons- constantly inspires me as an artist. And I think while we do a lot of sexual rope, we also just do a lot of purely art-based rope where I am doing pretty much unachievable shapes for a very small amount of time with their body to be able to snap like three pictures and then take them down. Yeah. And it's interesting because you'll hear um, people get called out for that of like, don't do rope just for the photo care about your bottom. But I'm the one who's like, I want to make this shape. Yep. Make me make this shape. I think it's impossible. We have to figure out how to do it. And I want a picture of it. So cool. That's how you got things (laughs) like um, the the frame series where I tried to fit Icky in that, that um, blank canvas frame. 
with, with you know, in, I don't know if you saw those photos, but it's just icky and all these different shapes fitting into us into a rectangle. Because we just thought it would be a silly idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. And if you don't mind, we'd like to uh, link to those photos in the show notes so the listeners can have a look at them as well. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's a great series. Um, very big fan of that. Uh, we did a lot of experimentation with upline composition for a while, and bamboo kind of creating like the composition that you see in like classic photography, where you get the Fibonacci sequence and um, the third, the rule of thirds, and trying to truly actually like sculpt an image rather than I have a body in the air and I'm taking a picture, but how do we create composition in our uplines and in our, in, in our rope with the body as a part of a larger sculpture and taking a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And then I think some of the other things that we, we teach a lot about is about like a kind of exposure play. Mm-hmm. Oh, we love that. Um, Cause it's very classic. Like you see exposure of body parts and of, you know, all these things, but we try to take it like, a lot deeper and see like how, how deep we can really go uh, with humiliation and shame and degradation and like the things that make us both vulnerable and afraid and how do we play with those and then use that container that we've created to build each other back up. Mm -hmm. Um, So like exposing something uh, like a weakness or like a fear or even playing with like gender things as we're both, both trans. Um, What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, and then really working together, uh, through our, our row practice to like close some of those wounds as well, Mm -hmm. um, to intentionally fuck with them and then purposefully like gently close them and build them kind of back up before the scene ends. Yeah. There are scenes where I have like purposefully like made icky balance on a, on their ankles and made their legs go weak because of injuries from ballet. Hmm. Uh, And uh, that was like really hard for them because they always want to be strong in rope. Right. And so that was a very sadistic uh, mean scene, but they really wanted me to exploit that. And then a, a scene very, very soon after we did that was where I just did like rope that they're really good at. Like we did like a lot of fudo single hangs. I was like, you got this, babe. You're doing so good. You know, so like you get the, the mix of both. Okay. So the building back up was then playing to their strength after playing to their weakness. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So inspiration for Rob, it feels like. Um, the two of you inspire each other in a lot of different ways. Um, where else does your inspiration for Rob come from? Mm. Um, I, I definitely have like a couple things come to mind for me. Um, one being our, uh, I have a, <laughs> a large collection of vintage uh, Japanese rope magazines, mm-hmm. uh, all the way from the 50s to the early 2000s, like ranging. And I'm really inspired by the roots of rope bondage and like where it came from. Uh, and most of it are in like pornographic magazines. Like that is where rope came from to my knowledge. Um, and what we've learned from Midori and a few other people. And so I, every time I want to be inspired, I will sometimes pick up one of those magazines and find like a, a painting of a, of a, of a rope position. And we will try to achieve it in real life. <laughs> yeah. And I know that like similarly very inspired by the like roots in, in sex work mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. commercial sex industry and pornography. 
you know, of, of rope bondage, but I'm also really inspired on a day-to-day basis by how rope has evolved. Um, so we'll often look at these images, um, both in, in American and, and, and Japanese, like pornography and literature and see the way that like something as simple as, um, you know, box tie with the arms behind how now there's so much intense discussion on like how to dress your second wrap to avoid this type of nerve impingement and this type of hanger loading this type of way. I love the fact that we have taken so much consideration for safety mm-hmm. um, so that we can do these, you know, delightfully fucked up things to each other for longer. Um, and I, I love like sitting in rooms of, of, rope nerds talking about different knots and things. I, I find that just like really fun, (laughs) um, to see, you know, uh, the way in which we've taken something and made it a bit more sustainable for the human body, which is very, you know, fragile, um, so that folks can practice rope for, for longer. Our conversation with Iki and Leaf was super interesting and we didn't want you, dear listeners, to miss any of it. So we will give you the second half of it in our next Rope Podcast episode. So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And also come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, where our name is also Rope Podcast. If you have a question related to Rope, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. Drop us a message on FetLife or Instagram. If you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes, find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.